Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to be with you. I see lots of friends and some faces that are unfamiliar to me. My name is Scott Painter, and I come to you today from Portland, Oregon, where I serve as the rector of the Church of St. Michael and All Angels. My spouse, uh, Tammy, and I moved from Houston to Portland just this summer, about six months ago now, to begin a new season there. Ten years ago, we moved away from Houston the other time. In the summer of 2013, Tammy, our son Rowan, and I departed from this wonderful parish, which had been our family's spiritual home for the better part of a decade, and we will actually always call this home. The people of Trinity walked graciously with me to discern a call to the priesthood and sent us off to seminary with love and support. So it's a bit of a homecoming for me today. I could go on and on about all the wonderful things about this place, many grace-filled stories, but that will have to wait for coffee hour or another day. Except, well, except this. I understand that today is in-gathering for the 2024 stewardship campaign, and there's more than just a, a hint of serendipity as I served on Trinity's Stewardship Committee for three years, in 2010, 2011, and 2012. And it is really special to be able to share with you once again in the call and your response to be faithful and generous in caring for this parish family. Grace in action. Turning to the Gospel of Matthew this morning, which I would just assume not turn to, we encounter a troubling scene where there seems to be a desperate shortage of grace. Lord, Lord, open to us. This parable concludes with five young women being shut out of the party because their lamps, something more like torches, most likely, have run out of oil. And they weren't ready to go when the groom arrived. In fact, they had gone to buy more oil. And when they return, the party has already started and the door is locked. How did we get to this moment? Well. There has been a marriage, it seems, members of the household, young women waiting to escort the groom to the celebration according to custom, but the groom is late, and because of the groom's lateness, more oil is needed to keep those flames burning than just what is already in the lamps. And the Gospel describes wise women thought not particularly kind or giving, who brought extra oil and are in no mood to share. And then goes on to describe the other five as foolish, because they didn't bring extra oil in case the groom was late. And now those five have run out of oil, 
just as that group is finally about to arrive. Now, notably, the five who run out of oil ask those who have extra to share with them. And if we've been paying attention to Jesus this year, walking with him through the Gospel of Matthew, we would be justified in being quite surprised. Those bridesmaids in need are met with a firm no to their need. And they're sent out to try to find more on their own. When the others return, they try to get into that banquet and we arrive at those words, Lord, Lord, open to us. Now what is most shocking in this scene for many of us might not be the fact that some have extra and refuse to share, leaving others left out because of their lack of generosity. It should surprise us, but it may not because perhaps we have become so accustomed to the inequalities in the world that many of us have been walled into accepting as just the way things are. So perhaps that aspect is not as surprising or troubling to us as it could or should be. And perhaps we're caught on another crime of injustice in this story regarding the tardiness of that groom. He didn't show up on time. He made them wait a long while. The groom made them wait late into the night, and yet when some run out of oil, he shows no grace when they return, torches lit, asking to get into the party. I guess we might have also become so accustomed to the world revolving around the whims of power that maybe it doesn't offend us like it could or should to see and treat those women that way. But I have to say what still stops my heart in this parable, what may still stop many of our hearts in this graceless scene, are these words. The kingdom of heaven is like. Now how is it possible that the kingdom of heaven could look anything like this? The kingdom of heaven, we've heard it compared to a treasure hidden in a field so valuable but buyer, that buying the entire field for just a shot at attaining to it seems reasonable. And we've heard it compared to a pearl of greatest price, so rare and incomparable and beautiful and good that it is worth giving up everything else that one has in order to purchase it. We've heard this kingdom compared to a mustard seed that is so small and so insignificant, but when it grows, it becomes large and provides shade for all. We've heard it compared to such generosity and abundance that it looks at laborers starting late in the day being paid as much in wages as those who arrived at sunrise. How could any realm under a good God's reign, in heaven or on earth, be up to shutting out only some of those who fall asleep and all of those who have too little and show up too late? And I have to tell you, if heaven's kingdom is just like all the other kingdoms of this world, 
just your run-of-the-mill reign of injustice and unforgiveness and gracelessness and stinginess and exclusion. Just another system that idolizes those who have a lot and punishes those who don't even have a chance. And I'm having second thoughts about that. Seriously, why even try? We've got plenty of that going all around and I could just sleep in on Sunday or go to brunch. But remember that the kingdom of heaven is conveyed somehow through this parable, according to Jesus. Remember that parables are intentionally tricky and complex and intentionally hazy many times. Maybe we should resist trying to turn them into something like Aesop's fables with a tidy and trite little moral message to carry away in our suitcase for later. And if we read it with trust, with trust that God is good, that God intends good for all, if we read it with trust in Jesus who has been blessing the poor and healing the sick and inviting in those who were outside, what might we see? What might this parable open up and make us consider, especially remembering that in the sequence of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is nearing a turn toward the cross. And people are scared and confused why his project isn't going better. They might be prone in the coming days to giving up hope, to falling asleep, waiting for things to turn out. And they might feel locked out by those in power by the religious establishment, even by their own lack of understanding and preparation for the moment that is about to arrive. And I just found out that my microphone is off. <laughs> but you can hear me. <laughs> is that better? Yes? There it is. <laughs> Now I won't have to talk so loudly. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like. What's it like? Is it like those who refuse to share from their abundance? Is it like a groom who shows up late to his own party and then extends no love, no forgiveness, no grace to those who had to work extra hard just to get there? Is it like those who are left out? Is God's reign with those who don't have it all together, who don't have everything they need, with all who cry out for the door to be opened so that they too might enter into the great celebration? I believe God is always with those who are shut out. We know this from walking with Jesus through his teachings, seeing him feed the multitudes, people who didn't bring enough to eat, healing the sick, lifting up the down and out. This is gospel news. It is always gospel news. And we who follow Jesus must see ourselves in solidarity with those 
on the outside. And here we are on this Sunday of ingathering, on this day where we ask God to bless our gifts, our intentions, our pledges to support this parish family. We must not lose sight of the places where Trinity ministers in the world, people in solidarity among those without housing and who are mentally ill and who are afflicted with addictions, a safe haven for LGBTQIA plus folk who have heard so many churches say God can't love them and whose rights are under constant threat, a house of refuge for immigrant people seeking a new start. Trinity, for as long as I've known it, is a place, and for as long as I've known you, is a people where the dignity of every human being is respected and upheld, where no one is left behind or locked out. And your pledges, the ones you've already made or the ones you brought today, or the ones you forgot and will send in the mail tomorrow, and the ones you just decided to increase and turn in again, your pledges are an essential way of being a part in this work. Along with all the time you share and all the talents you bring together to make church. Keep awake. We should keep awake all right. Because we do not know the day or the hour when Jesus will appear and it might be lots of days and lots of hours. You just never know when Jesus will show up in the face of another, seeking grace, asking for help, knocking on the door. We should keep awake to always respond with love and compassion and care. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you.